Job ready? Employer says yes. This programme is presented by Eduvate, education and innovation. This week, our attention turns to the US and to a company ranked number four, no less, by Forbes in the recruitment industry, Vaco Recruitment. They find people for jobs in many professional areas, but wherever you want to find a job or choose to build a career, Vaco understands it's all about building relationships, relationships to find and retain you and you are known by the recruitment industry terminology as talent. Today I'm talking with Dan Thompson, Division Director at Vaco's office in Tampa, Florida. Hello, Dan. How are you today? Good, Jonathan. It's a pleasure to be on with you, and it's great to hear from you again. So, Dan, the big question for people peering into the world of work is, what is a recruiter? What we do is we try to help companies find talent. Uh, that's that's our sole goal. Companies will reach out to us and say, Dan, we need to find a talent to make our company better. So that could be uh, because they have additional project-based work that they need some additional help with. It could be uh, because they are trying to replace an employee, or it could be what we call uh, a backfill where maybe somebody moved up in the company uh, and they're looking for somebody to replace uh, that person and that person's skill set. But at the end of the day, that's what we do. We try to partner with companies to find the best talent in the area Uh, and then on the flip side of that we're constantly working with what we call candidates or individuals that are looking for a job to try to find the best match for them Uh, and the best match for them could be uh, somebody that's looking to improve their skill set in a certain area maybe to cut down on their commute Uh, obviously uh, a lot of folks want to make more money so our goal is to try to pair a company that's looking for a good valuable resource with an individual that's trying to better their current situation and then try to make that marriage okay so you're a matchmaker yeah how young are the candidates when they come to you not only in terms of how old they are but Mm -hmm. in terms of their work experience at what stage is it best for a candidate to come and talk to you we've placed people all the way from this is their first job that they've ever had all the way up to people that have been in the workforce for 30 40 or 50 years there's never a bad time to reach out uh, to a recruiter uh and I want to specify that with saying I work on what we call third party or agency recruiting. Obviously, there's recruiters for companies and there's, you know, companies that uh, will build out what we call talent acquisition departments. Obviously, there's career centers, um, you know, all across the United States and all across the world that will individually try to help uh, connect that local talent. So there's a lot of different types of recruiters, but, uh, you know, at no point is it ever too early or too late to work with a recruiting firm. I will say that our sweet spot for a lot of the candidates and a lot of the jobs that we work with have probably been in the workforce for three to four years and are probably, uh, you know, 15, 20 years into their career, somewhere right between uh, a lot of mid-level employees and then executive 
level employees. But, you know, just yesterday we placed somebody that had zero years of experience and was just about to graduate college. So, uh, and then we also placed somebody that had about 45 years of experience about three weeks ago. So there's no real, you know, exact uh, time or age limit. So what does this cost the candidate? I mean, it seems like a superb service. What do you charge the candidate? Sure. The, for the candidate, it's free. Um, you know, our goal uh, is to help every candidate that we can to try to find a job. Uh, but unfortunately, that's a little bit of a pipe dream. Uh, we are hired by consult or by companies to fill roles for them. Um, so we have to go out and we have to try to identify the best talent for a company. So if a company says, you know, we want XYZ skill set, we need to find somebody that has that experience uh, for them. And that's a a fit of not only skill set, but of personality as well. But a company, once we make a placement, they're the ones that pay us. So for for a candidate, the entire service is free. And so during that time, they're going to come into our office. We're going to give them interview advice. We're going to give them resume advice. We're going to give them just advice, period, as a job seeker of, how to best find the best job for them. We know that we can't find a job for every single person that we meet, but if a candidate can come into our office and sit down with us for an hour and they can walk out and say that that hour was beneficial to their career search, then we've done our job. So a candidate would be well advised to take up what is, after all, a free offer. So that seems great. But let's say there's one, two, three, four, five, six recruitment companies. What makes Vaco better than the other guys? I don't like putting down my competitors. What I can say is what Vaco really tries to do is we really try to get to know who the candidate is. We know that when you're looking for a job, it's much more than just chasing after a few thousand extra dollars or to cut down on your commute for a few minutes. You probably spend more time working and at the office than you do at home. So we know that that marriage uh, with the right position and the right company is so vitally important. So when a candidate comes into our office, we're, we're going to spend you know quite a bit of time getting to know their skill set and what they can provide for a company. But more importantly, we're going to sit down and ask them what they're looking for, what type of company they're looking for, what kind of position they're looking for, what they're looking to, to do to benefit their lives. Uh, so after that whole time, we sit down, then we come up with, with a plan of how we're going to help them execute on their job search. So if a candidate is going to come in and meet with us, we're going to offer all of those services like you said for free but what what makes vaco good and what makes vaco great is that we've been here in the tampa market for about 12 13 years now but we have 35 offices around the world um we've got 32 um, here in the united states we've got an office in canada an office in london um and an office in india so no matter what somebody's looking for for themselves a family member or a friend we can probably help them whether that's here locally or whether that's across the uh, 35 offices that we have so how do you know you're any good? I mean, I know that Forbes in America has rated you number four amongst the best recruitment companies. So they think you're good. But what's the test yourselves? How do you know you're good? I, I think that the, the purest way that we know that we're good uh, is a few things. I think that one, uh, a lot of external resources have told us that we're doing a pretty good job. Um, you know, Forbes did complete that that blind survey uh, that did rank us number four in the country. We've been on uh, the Inc. 5000 uh, list, which is the 5,000 fastest growing company, private companies in America for the last 11 years, uh, which is an incredible testament to the fact that, and this is where I think the most important 
thing is clients continue to come back to us to say that we had a good service with Vaco. Uh, there's a lot of people that do what we do here in Tampa. I think there's more than 75 IT recruiting companies just in the Tampa market. So to be able to compete and continue to provide that service for that com or to, to companies, the number one way to show you that they're satisfied is that they continue to come back. Fantastic so far. Um, now let's have a look at Generation Z. Now, mm -hmm. this is the upcoming generation who've lived in this world for 17, 18, 19 years, whatever it is, but they haven't really known a world without the internet and without all the advantages and all the ways in which that can shape your minds and your behaviours. Do you think they are different from previous generations? A bit. Uh, I think that they are similar uh, to millennials in a couple of different ways. I think the number one thing that the millennial generation and the Generation Z generation is looking for is they're looking to provide value and they're looking to provide impact and they want to know what that value and what that impact is. Whether it's at an entry level role or whether it's an executive level role, they want to know what impact they're making to the company. For them, it's not necessarily the most important thing to make money. Uh, retirement plans aren't the number one thing that they're looking for. Um, you know, a shorter commute isn't what they're looking for. What they're looking for is that somebody has told them that they are making an impact and that they can look at the work that they're doing and saying that that's making an impact in the company. Um, you know, a lot of people could say that they're looking for higher level roles at a younger age or with less experience. And I don't think it's so much that. I think that Generation Z and the millennial generation is totally driven by what what work am I doing in the company that's making an impact to make us a better company? So I think for a, a, a lot of generations before they understood, I'll do some menial work or I'll do some you know, some, some work where the impact isn't noticed as much to hopefully rise, you know, the ladder where they can continue to, or where they can continue to contribute and uh, see their impact. I think the Generation Z generation is looking for that immediate impact right away. Um, I also think that communication is different. You know, they grew up with the internet. They grew up with instant communication. Um, so I think that that's going to change the landscape of, of office communication as well. I think we're starting to see a lot more instant message services, Slack being used. Um, so I think that they're trying to cut down on some of these meetings where they're face-to-face -face and say, okay, how can we solve this problem? Hop on an instant message chat, figure out how they can do that, and then try to avoid, you know, these long meetings. So those are probably the two ways. So in that latter example, it seems to me that Generation Z are themselves changing the patterns of working uh, in order that other people come around to their way of doing things. Are there other influences like Industry 4.0, which are changing the way people work on the factory floor or in the offices? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of changes that are being driven because of that. You know, number one, uh, the office culture is changing. A lot of companies are moving towards uh, remote working employees just because communication can be instant, right? Um, you know, I think you've seen just in the, the example that I've used that instant messenger and instant communication and, and Skype uh, and Zoom and other uh, video conferencing um 
uh, companies have, have come around and created great technology for, for instant communication. You don't necessarily need to value, uh, you know, those meetings. And you can say that this is right or wrong. A lot of people that are in the millennial and Generation Z generations, what they want is they want work to get done. They want to figure out how they can get it done as quickly as possible or seamlessly as possible. And they don't want to get caught down in a lot of bureaucracy and a lot of big planning meetings. A lot of times they want to uh, they want to work on something, they want to evaluate the results of that, and then they want to work on the next thing. And I think that that's why the agile methodology and software development is so popular is because you can focus on something, you can accomplish it, you can look back on it and say, were we successful or not, and then you can move on. Um, so those are the ways that I think that millennials and Generation Z are changing that work patterns. But, you know, work from home is certainly changing. The way that we do project management uh, is certainly changing. And then the benefits that we're offering um, candidates and employees is vastly different than what it was even 20 years ago, whereas pension and retirement was the number one thing then. Now you're looking at paid time off and the ability for them to be able to work wherever so that they can go travel the world and gain experiences. That's where I think things are, are, are shifting quite a bit right now. So picking up on that travel the world, get around, uh, do you think that makes you more employable? Do you think that going to college makes you more employable? How does that work these days? Jonathan, you and I have had uh, a lot of discussions about college education and whether we're giving students the best value. And I don't know that we are, uh, but I think on the opposite side of that, um, I think it's almost become mandatory. And a lot of companies have made it mandatory where somebody has a degree. Um, you know, some jobs certainly require, um, you know, a high level of educational efficiency, whether it be in engineering or software development, um, you know, certainly construction, architecture. There's a lot of things where a degree is required. Uh, but I think uh, college is missing the mark on a lot of things, especially when it comes to, to IT. I, I don't think that we're focusing on the right things. I don't think that we've made the right partnerships. And we're because technology does change so often, we're, we're teaching a lot of outdated technology, where if you graduate with a degree um, in information systems, you may not have the skill set that employers are looking for. And that the way that the economy is right now, a lot of companies are looking for people that can hit the ground running. And so I don't think that college has really put out a lot of students uh, into the job market that are solely and wholly prepared to be able to contribute to a lot of companies' bottom line uh, at the beginning. Uh, a lot of companies have invested uh, time and resource into training and internship programs and these leadership development programs, but for the whole, our colleges aren't preparing students for jobs uh, in emerging technology. But on the opposite side, you know, companies have made it a requirement that they have a degree. And some companies look at it as you've invested the time, money, and effort to accomplishing something, and that's great. But if a student can go and learn new emerging technologies like JavaScript libraries or get into uh, AR or VR on their own, uh, that student is probably more equipped to contribute right away than, than not. Um, you know, and, and I also want to say I think that we've done a disservice to trade schools as well. We've we've told people that go in, into the trades that they're uh, they weren't smart enough to go to college, and I think that that's wholly incorrect. Um, I think that that trades are incredible, and and people that are electricians and plumbers and mechanics are you know in the next 15, 20 years going to be in some of the most high demand positions because we've told everybody they have to go to college, and the only way to be successful is going to college, and I just don't think that that's the case. 
The funny thing is that so many people that I've interviewed recently share your opinion. It's not just Educate, but it's so very difficult to get uh, the education systems to respond either singly or, or as a mass of higher education. So what can a young person look forward to given Industry 4.0? given the rise and the march of the pesky robots, can they look to a job for life or is it more likely to be a life full of different jobs? I think it's a little bit of both. And I think that society is going to change while obviously our, our young people are going through their careers. Um, I think that what students can be prepared for now is that everybody needs to have at least a requisite knowledge of technology. Almost every industry is moving more towards technology, uh, whether it's new software or new ERP systems, whether it's automated, whatever it might be, nearly every job out there has some technology component to it. So for anybody out there that is listening, technology is going to be a part of your career, whether you're in construction, whether you're in automotive, or whether you're working for a software development company, technology is going to be a big important piece in the rise of, of new careers and of new growth uh, of the economy. Um, so I think that that's the number one thing that they can do. Uh, the second thing that they can do is continue to improve their skill set. And I think that you're seeing that in a lot of the millennial and Generation Z generation. So they're moving around a lot. And, and a lot of people say they're not looking for anything stable. And I would say, well, I think that they're really looking to increase their skill set. You can stay at a company for 25 years and, you know, you can give back and you can retire with a pension and, you know, have a great life. Uh, but I think a lot of what the students are looking are a lot of young um, individuals are looking for now is how can I build my skill set to learn new things? Maybe the company I'm working for now doesn't use certain um, languages that I want to learn. So I'm going to go work for a different company and, and learn those and, you know, be there for a few years and then take those skill sets that I've learned there and go to a new company. So I think that you're going to see a lot. I think you're going to see the changing nature of, of companies try to adapt to the fact that most employees are probably only going to be there four to five or four to six years rather than 10 to 15 years. So if a company has to adapt, how can young people best prepare themselves for the next 25, 30, 35, 40 years? I always be learning, um, never become complacent and just focus on trying to make yourself indispensable. Um, I think that that's the most important thing that you can do. So if you're very passionate about something, learn that, that, that technology or learn where that passion is and try to give back to your company as much as you can uh, in, in that framework. Um, but again, it's, it's being adaptable to the company. It's understanding that there is going to be change. It's understanding and accepting change. Uh, and then, like I said, giving back and trying to make yourself as indispensable uh, as possible. Because nothing will replace the human mind. Uh, we can throw a lot of robots and, and automated processes in, uh, but the human mind is always going to be smarter uh, than a machine when it comes to accomplishing most work tasks. So uh, if you can learn and continue to learn and, and drive your passion towards what you're interested in, uh, you're going to be an indispensable part of a company, no matter how automated they might become. So having listened to your wisdom and knowing that Vaco is one of America's top recruiting companies, a young person is going to come to you and ask for advice. 
What is the worst thing they could do when they come in that room? The worst thing that they can come into the room is unprepared. Um, I, I would say that most of life is just preparedness and showing up on time. And I think that those are, are the two most important things that somebody needs to do when they when they come into our office or go on an interview. Um, coming in late uh, and coming in unprepared are, are, are two very taboo issues. Um, so whenever you're going to come into our office or you're going to go out and interview with, with a client of ours or just clients in general, uh, companies in general, the most important thing you can do is research the company and the people that you're going to meet with. Um, arrive early, but but not too early. Um, you want, probably want to be there five to 10 minutes early, not 20, 30, 40 minutes early. Um, you need to bring your, your resume with you and, and have a knowledge of your resume. As, as silly as that sounds, there's a lot of people that put a lot of things on their resume and they're asked about and they don't know how to. To, to talk about it so make sure that you understand what you you put on your resume and then finally dress appropriately uh for the environment that you're going to go to and lastly on appearance these days vexed issue all sorts of range of of clothing hairstyles looks tattoos what should a young person do Number one, they need to know the environment that they're going into. Uh, they need to know what the average person dresses like. Um, within any environment, you're going to have a pretty wide range, but know what most people in your office are wearing. You always want to make sure that you look just a step above the best dressed person in that office. So if it's a suit environment, dress in your best suit. But if it's a jeans and t-shirt environment, dress a little bit better than that, uh, but never dress below what you think the best dressed person in that office is wearing. Some great advice on how to present yourself for interview. Dan, recruitment itself is a job. Did you always want to become a recruiter or did you fall into it? I, I would say that probably 99.9% .9 of people that are in this business fell into it. Uh, when I was in college, I wanted to go to law school. I applied to law school. I got accepted to law school and then decided that I no longer wanted to be a lawyer. Um, so I got into consulting for a few years uh, and that wasn't my true passion. Um, so I was looking uh, to make a career change and I got connected to a recruiter and we were chatting and said, well, what are you looking for? And what do you like doing? He said, well, I really like working with people. I like training. I like educating. Uh, and I like just being around people and driving and thriving off of their energy. And they said, well, have you ever thought about getting into recruiting? And at the time I knew nothing about it other than I sent my resume to somebody and then they set me up for an interview with one of their clients. And so we were able to sit down and dive into what, what recruiting is and what makes a good recruiter. And that was about six and a half years ago. And so I've been in the business for about six and a half years and have helped to almost a thousand uh, individual people find a job. And, you know, now I get to lead a great team of, of people where we're helping 15 or 20 people a month uh, find a new job. So it's a career that a lot of people don't know about. It's not anything that you can study in college. Uh, and it's certainly not something at career day, but it's a, uh, it's a great uh, career for me. And it, it helps drive uh, a lot of the economy and a lot of commerce uh, here in America. So uh, I would say the number one thing that if anybody is ever looking to get into recruiting, it's just a passion to care about people. Because if you only care about money and you only care about sales, uh, this industry is going to drive you crazy. Uh, but if you care about helping people uh, and helping your clients, then this is a wonderful industry to be a part of. You've been listening to Dan Thompson from Vaco, a wonderful, witty and insightful look into the world of the recruiter. Dan, thank you so much. Thank you, Jonathan. You'll find us online at edivate.biz. Job ready. Employer says yes. Yes.